The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me, as always, is the lovely Porsche. How are you going? Macca, this is the last one of these before the Phantom Draft and then before the Draft proper, so this is this is getting into crunch time. This is getting into it crunch is. time. The pressure's on now. Like, we're going <sighs> to have to start making decisions soon and, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's <sighs> great. I know. I've, look, I've put side, uh, time aside this weekend to go through and try and do my own kind of draft list, which is really annoying because I haven't actually done a proper one before, and I'm not going to follow the standard template of just one long list. So I'm going to – ah, it's going to take most of my weekend to work out what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So <laughs> I'm in mean, this worst place to spend the time. I could be watching cricket and thinking I wish it was football season. <laughs> oh, look, never, ever watch cricket. I find mm. that's just the best way to live, I think. Um, I used to like agree. cricket, but the last sort of six, seven years, it's just like, well, I can't be bothered anymore. Like, it's just not interesting. For me, I feel that um, cricket had a had an error, or not an error, but there was an issue, which was that for me, cricket was always the thing that was preempting Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> and so when you're a kid and you, your cartoons are missing and they're just some boring, slow cricket, it's like, oh, nothing builds resentment faster. <laughs> yeah. True. No, I love cricket as a kid, but um, definitely a footy man and uh, that's the way it's going to stay, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Well, it looks like we've been talked into doing a live podcast on Draft Night. Oh, look, I was already in favour of that, so that's fine. <laughs> look, it, <laughs> it took a lot of swaying. Oh, can you guys do it on draft night? Yeah, sure. Great. <laughs> so we will, we're still trying to work out how it's going to work, what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, but yes, we will be live um, and discussing the draft as it happens and either swearing or screaming or hugging or crying um, as we make our decisions on draft night. Uh, if I'm more inclined to think that we'll be going, uh, but there we are, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> We, we might get it. We might get. Who knows? We might get Will Brady after all. Who knows? I'm all. I'm already planning my reaction if we pick Josh Battle with pick 14. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I shouldn't get this stressed too early out, to be honest. You shouldn't, but you're going to. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So yes, definitely tune in for that, and of course uh, we'll have our Phantom with uh, Mission Possible on uh, this Tuesday night at 8 p.m. as well. So. Uh, couple of uh, good podcasts to come next week as well. But yeah. let's uh, go on to this week, and we're talking about our second batch of uh, potential draftees uh, from WA. And the first person we're going to talk about is uh, Quinton Narkel from Perth, who's a 180-centimetre, 77-kilo uh, midfielder. Uh, plays, I reckon he plays a hell of a lot like Cruz Garlet, which is a really odd name, and I'm not sure many people will remember I him. Do. But he yep. looks the same, plays the same, same body shape, same kicking style. Um, very, very similar. Yeah, look, um, I guess the first thing that you think about Quinton Narkle is it's like, wow, where did that name come from? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty... Um, that's it's a, like that's something unique... from Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe or something. Yeah, right? Something like that. 
Um, look, he's he's a, he's an okay player. He's I think he's all right. I think he's pretty good in traffic. I don't think he's as good outside. I think he's actually a bit better in or in that in that mid traffic that we talk about occasionally. Yeah. Um, but I just don't see anything excellent about his game. And for me, that like I think he might get drafted, but it would be a thirty round, third round of the earliest. I reckon. Um, he's just a bit not quite enough something to be considered a, a really good prospect. <clears throat> Yeah, I probably agree with that. I think he's unrefined at the moment. Um, I think the things he does well is like he's very bullish around the packs, um, wins the hard bowl, um, uses it reasonably well on the outside. He's a real sort of nuggety type of midfielder. Does find a lot of the ball um, and is able to sort of back up uh, with that sort of run and carry and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but he is very unrefined, very sloppy with the ball. Um mm. You know, needs a lot of work with his skills, especially with his feet. Um, yep. you know, his kicking can be a fair bit wayward, um, and that's not going to slide at AFL level. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that you, you're right about him racking up the numbers. He he is a player that can do that um, at the levels he's playing at. Uh, whether he'll be able to do that at AFL level, I mean, it's always a big question, isn't it, for anyone? But uh, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see a place for him with his level of quality because I think he does. For me, his, his best role would be like a genuine in-the-guts midfielder, and I don't know that he's got the... the well, he's, you know, he, I don't know that he's got the right structure, the right tools for that role. It, it's hard to define. I'm finding this one a tricky one to define, but I don't feel confident in him. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to go in the first three rounds. He looms as sort of no. like a late draft pick, more likely a rookie pick, I think, and at that sort of level, I think he displays some pretty good value for someone. I, I think... You know, put some time and effort into him and, and work on his skills. Um, he could be one of those sort of um, you know, rookie list success stories, but uh, you know, the, he does have a lot of work left in him. He did have a mm. pretty good championships um, and was pretty impressive with how he did sort of win the, the contested bowl and all that sort of stuff. But yep. um, yeah, a lot to work on. Yeah, I agree. It's a shame because he does have one of the longest kicks in the draft, I think. Like, he's a bloody long kick. Um, it's just not accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find it really hard to think of a, a player comparison exactly. Um, Chris I don't Garlet. know, like, yeah, Chris Garlett. <laughs> yeah, right, let's go with that. Fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, that's pretty much it. Next player. <laughs> next player, and uh, one of my favourites. I got to say, and that's Josh Rotham from West Perth. Mm-hmm. Who's? Uh, oh, this is going to be good. Um, One hundred ninety-two centimeters, seventy-nine kilo. Uh, third tall defender um, will most likely follow the Jack Scrimshaw path of probably training to become an outside midfielder. Uh, play comp- comparison at the moment is pretty similar to someone like Andrew Mackey in the way that he sort of plays his footy. Uh, he's quite influential. He rebounds from defence. Uh, he's a wonderful kick. Uh, can read the play really well. Um, has good intercept marking um, and does find a lot of the footy. Yeah, I... My review on Josh Rotham is going to sound mixed. Um, I think, let's start with the good stuff. I think for a starter that he is in this draft, I think he's my most likely to play 200 games. Um, okay. He's got, and he's got good enough foot skills. He sometimes I think his decision-making could use a bit of work, but it's not like, you know, camo decision-making. It's just not good. It's not constructive. Um, he plays pretty, the, getting towards the 200 game thing. I mean, he plays fairly outside, I think for the most part. Um, he looks like he's, he's got a good build for the role he's going to be playing, which is going to be third tall forward. I don't think he's going to be a, a key position defender by any measure. No. Um, no. I, I liken him to a Ben Hart. Um, not identical. Ben Hart was probably a slightly stronger mark, I think. 
Um, but that that kind of played Ben Hart, Matthew Bishop, sort of uh, definitely a third tall defender. Yeah, Matty um, Bishop's a good call. That's a really good call. I like the Ben Hart call as well. I think they're pretty similar. Mm. Uh, and so for me, like if I think he could, he would be interest he would be of interest to Port. Like there's no doubt that he would be of some interest to Port. Um, we've just listed O'Shea and Stewart, and they might be thinking, oh, maybe we can squeeze another halfback flanker in. And like I said, like his I rate his durability of his career very highly. Yep. So I think I think if we draft Josh Rotham, for me it means that Jeff Parker's being told to do best available because best available would say that you draft a guy like this actually probably reasonably early because of his certainty of having a long career and but you're being able to say in 10 years' time, oh, he played 200 games, I drafted a 200 gamer. Mm. Um, but I, as far as need to the side, I don't think it's high. So I think he's a good player. I think he'd be an excellent player for someone. I'm... The only reason I don't want to be poor is because I think we've got more important things to do than draft him. If he somehow slipped to a later pick, you'd have to consider it. Yeah, I would be pretty shocked if we picked him up. I don't think... Yeah, look, I wouldn't think he is on our radar at all unless it's unless he somehow falls to pick 30 or 31. And if he is at that point, then he probably is the best player left available and I would certainly pick him. Um, but with 14 or 17, I think we've got other options there which would be better. Um, look, I really, really like him though. I think I love his foot skills. Um, I think he's someone that can be influential in the in the future. I think he's going to be a leader. I, I think he's got mm-hmm. future captain written all over him. Um, in terms of sort of player style, I think he's the type of player that we wanted Cam O'Shea to become, but d- just didn't get there. Um, yeah. For me, this is one of the classic tough calls that recruiters should be judged by, but I don't think they are. Which is that we might have to. This might be a player that we overlook because we have uh, we're trying to build a premiership team, an actual premiership list, and not just a best available list. Yep. Um, but that's that's the that's the important distinction for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, he was um, widely considered a top ten pick at the start of the year. He was part of the AFL um, AIS Academy. Um, played some really good footy last year. And uh, it was considered the sky was pretty much the limit for Josh, but um, probably didn't have the best championships um, and, and maybe didn't find a lot of the bowl at reserves level in his couple of games there as well. Did um, at Colts level. Um, but probably didn't kick on as much as what many thought that he would. And I think for that reason, he might have slipped down the draft a little bit. Um, I would put him in that sort of 20 to 50 range, um, more yeah. likely to be sort of 20 to 30. Um Anyone wanting sort of a, a creative, um, skillful uh, player that can play down back uh, with, with the possibility that he will sort of push up to a wing at some point, um, he's probably the best option for that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the second round, like picks 23 through to 29 are all Victorian clubs. I reckon any one of them would think a guy like him was pretty much exactly what they need. Um, so I reckon that's probably his range. He'd suit someone like St Kilda perfectly. Oh, that's, that was my thought too. Absolutely. Yep. I think he'd be an absolutely perfect pick for them. I think he'd go well at Collingwood. Yep. Um, I think at Richmond he could get turned into Joel Bowden, which wouldn't be ideal. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Carlton, obviously, I think he'd do very well there as well. Yeah, so sure. there's, yep. there's multiple good options there. And, you know, Western Bulldogs, there isn't really a spot for him in the side, I guess, right now. But they might just get him on spec. And who knows? Um, we got a question on Big Footy this afternoon oh. from It Just Is, which was, uh, is Josh Rotham the best kick in the draft? Uh, I think he'd be pretty close, um, but I don't... Are you going to say he's the best kick or the best kick 
um, under pressure because there's a different measure. Like, I think he's a good kick, but I think a lot of that is his role yeah. um, in that he's able, like I said earlier, he's able to play pretty outside most of the time and sort of he gets time to line up his who he's going to kick to for the most part. And yeah. that always, that's a huge factoring in being able to kick, yeah? Um, but by contrast, like, I don't know, like Sam Petrovsky-Seaton, he's bloody excellent. I would, yeah. And he does and he does it under pressure. So for me, I, I would probably say Sam Petrovsky-Seaton. If you look at his stats, he might not be quite at the same level, but that's because he plays a very different role and he plays on a very different amount of actual pressure and implied pressure. Yeah. I would say he's likely to be top five. I wouldn't have him number one. I think most likely top five. I think Witherden, um, Petrovsky-Seaton, mm-hmm. Scrimshaw, um, quite possibly Guelphy and... Um, one of my favourites, Judah Dundon, are probably better kicks in this <laughs> draft, but um, he's certainly up there, that's for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Mm. Uh, speaking of Guelphy, let's move on to him. So Matt Guelphy oh, okay. from uh, Claremont, who's 183 centimetre, 75 kilo, um, outside-inside midfielder. Play comparison is someone like uh, Lockie Weller or maybe someone like uh, Richard Douglas. He's a really hard-running midfielder, can play as a rover, can also play on a flank. Um very clean skills, really good ability to get the ball on the inside, um, find space and uh, deliver a really nice kick on the outside as well. And uh, yeah, he missed out on getting drafted last year, so he's come back as a top age player. Um, and he has impressed this year, like with his ability to find the ball. I thought he was really good at the championships. Maybe didn't impress too much um, at Waffle senior level. Played mostly in the Colts and reserves. Uh, but once again, he is uh, you know one of the best kicks in this draft, and his ability to pinpoint passes, I think, is as good as anybody. Yeah, look, there's a huge concern for me there in the playing as a 19 year old. I understand why they do it, and I think it's not a bad thing. But if you're playing as a 19 year old and you're killing it at Colts and you're just kind of okay at waffle level, that should be concerning. Um, that should be a, that, that's actually a, I feel yeah. a pretty bad indicator. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's and so a concern. That, yeah, yeah uh, I think that's a big issue uh, for me. My player comparison would be Jason Davenport. Um, I think he has a pretty similar combination of things. In the, if you look at Jason Davenport, you think he could be a genuine midfielder, but he just wasn't quite. And I feel yeah. Guelph is in a similar boat. Yeah. Um, I think that I he has can't some see good him aspect. playing and, and doing the sort of role that Jason Davenport did up forward. I, I don't no, think he's, he's of... more of a pure midfielder. Uh, if he's going to make it, it's going to be as yeah. a midfielder, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, one of the thoughts I had was maybe he's the sort of guy that ends up becoming a tagger. Um, which is possible, but is there room for taggers? Don't know. Mm. Maybe not. Nah, not, not too sure. Look, well, he's got form, the fitness. Yeah, he does have the fitness, that's right. He's got pretty good pace as well. Um, mm. Look, as I said, his form at Colts level was, was really good. He averaged uh, 26 touches and six tackles a game. Uh, that went down to, uh, I think, around about 12 touches a game at uh, senior level. So certainly dropped off a fair bit there, but um, yeah, not, not aware of what sort of role he might have been playing at that level either, but... Yeah, certainly as a 19-year-old, I would have hoped for um, a bit better form at senior level. Um, and that really makes him one of the hardest players to rate in this draft. Because mm. I'm a fan. I really like his skills. I can see that he's got AFL quality uh, in him. But will he be able to ever get there uh, is the big question. Yeah, well, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like if he'd had similar output at juniors and at um, reserves and at Colt and at sorry at waffle level, yeah. we wouldn't be worrying so much about it because it would show that his game was transportable. Yeah, um, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> like, you know. It's, anyway, um, look, I, I think he is hard to place. Um, I don't want us picking him with our first four picks. If he was available at that last one, I'd be okay with it. But I've yeah. named about ten players. I'd be okay with that pick so far. <laughs> so it's becoming a bit meaningless. Yeah. 
Look, I... Yeah, look, on face value, I'd say there's a slim chance he might go somewhere as high as maybe 30 or 40, but I think he's more likely to be um, pushing to the back end of the draft or, or most likely a rookie pick, just for the fact that he couldn't back up his um, his play at senior level. Yep. Um, but look, I, as I said, I think um, if he gets a chance and, and does develop, you know, there's certainly AFL quality there. and. Again, we got a question from Ejustice. Do you expect a better ball user than Guelphie to be available at 30-31? Um, and for me, I'd, I'd probably say he's the best kick at that point. Um, but yeah, there's obviously other parts of his game that I'm not too sure on. Yeah, I I don't think that's a factor. Like, if, yeah. <laughs> like, for who we're picking at 30 and 31, I think we've got bigger issues than getting a guy that's a good kick but is not getting 20-something possessions at senior level. Um, you know, I think that, that's, yeah, clearly, that's that's not a need for us, I don't feel. Yeah. Look, at 30-31, I think someone like Harry Morrison would be another whose uh, kicking would be right up there. Maybe Luke Ryan as well, uh, Zach Fisher. So there's a few names um, of uh, really good users of the footy that, that'll be there with our uh, second batch of picks. Yeah, look, I think there are, but more importantly, there are going to be a few guys that can rack them up and play a good actual centre square midfield game. I think we need to just really focus on those because that's definitely our worst area. Um, yeah. yeah. For sure. Now, moving on to someone who is probably behind Todd Marshall, the the second most talked about player on our board this off-season. Yeah. Yep. And that's uh, Sammy Powell Pepper from East Perth, who's a 186-centimetre, 83-kilo, uh, outside-inside midfielder, can play on a back flank, can play on a forward flank as well. Plays a lot like uh, Dustin Martin, a lot like Luke Shuey. Yeah. Uh, very explosive, big body, well-built, plenty of grunt, lots of pace, hits the packs hard, lots of X factor. Doesn't get a lot of the ball. Um, that's probably one of his uh, downfalls. But for someone who's got the raw potential to really impact AFL footy, um, I think Sammy's uh, right up there. I'm a real unabashed fan. I'm yeah, he's pretty well my favourite player in this draft. Yeah, I don't know that I go that far, but I couldn't pinpoint directly who that was. Um, but Sam, he look, he's a player I've watched a lot of. The, I've gone back and watched the tape a lot on this guy. Um, because he is a player that you can say, oh, he sprays the ball, but it's like he doesn't spray it that much. And when he does, it still ends up going somewhere vaguely okay. Like, it's not like a terrible sideways turnover or something like that. Yeah. But it just is explosive run from midfield. I mean, that's something we've wanted at Port for a billion years, yeah? yeah. Like, that, that has always, like, for us as a team opposing that sort of player, that has always been the sort of player that we've genuinely struggled with. Um, right. And so for me, like, the opportunity to turn that around and point that weapon the other way is just absolutely enormous. It's very tempting, and I'd be... Not a, look. I mean, if we draft him at fourteen, some people might say, "Oh, it's a pick or two early." It's like, yeah, but we got him. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so, exactly. so I'd, I'd be okay with that, to be completely honest. Um, I think I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, the one concerning thing you said about, yeah, okay, he doesn't get a lot of disposal. That is actually that is a real concern. I think. Um, I think he might be a system player, but his traits don't can really relate to any system I know of. Like yeah. the fact that he's willing to be so contested and just sort of make stuff up on the fly. I kind of feel like he's always going to be a loose cannon in any midfield that he ends up in. Um, and then you just have to try and teach him how to be a good loose cannon because 
you know that can that causes that does what Sun Tzu says about um, assuming formlessness. You know, you've got the rest of the side doing one thing, and you've got Power Pepper going around being a maniac. Then you can potentially deal with it, uh, and the opposition won't really. They'll be hard for them to match up on. Um, He's the sort of player that I think would become very quickly a fan favourite, much oh, like sure. Ollie Wines did. Um, and look, he is very explosive. He's he's got that Judd like Sean Burgoyne like ability mm. to hit a, a stoppage at pace and win the ball, blink, and suddenly he's five meters clear running towards goal. It's yep. there's not a lot of players that can do that at AFL level, um, and he would be one of them, uh, which makes him a, a very sort of tantalizing prospect. He is a goal kicker. Um, he has kicked a fair few goals this year. Um, did pick up a lot of ball at. Colts level, again, similar to, to Guelphie, he averaged uh, 22 touches and a goal a game there. He did play some pretty decent footy at senior level for uh, in the Waffle for East Perth, who are um, a West Coast Reserves team. So he's already been in um, a sort of quasi-AFL system and, and averaged 12 touches and a goal a game. And look, he's, he's never going to be able to pick up 25 touches a game um, playing with a bunch of AFL players because uh, they're obviously going to get the priority. Absolutely. Um, I guess the big question is, do you think that West Coast will pick him up at 12? Oh, I think there's a big chance, yep. Mm. Yeah. Again, that might mm. be early, but they know him. They've played with him. Yep. Uh, they would have watched him extremely closely and would know if he's worth picking at that point. Um, there's a big chance there. I think the Crows might be half a chance as well. Oh, I don't uh, think he fits their style. Yeah. Well, they... Yeah, maybe, but um, I think they're probably going to want someone that can replace that sort of Dangerfield type, and he is uh, a semi-sort of Dangerfield type in his ability to, to break through tackles and, and run off with the ball at clearances. So, yeah, look, he's he's a tough one. Um, is he going to make it to 30 and 31? I don't think so. Uh, no, no way. Will he be there at 14 and 17? Absolutely, or most likely. Hopefully. Uh, should we pick <laughs> That's him? That's what we're saying. Should we pick him? That's the big question. I reckon that if you, me, and Mish sat down and we could say who's a player we all want at 14 and we'd be happy with and we just walk away, which we'd be like, yep, okay, if we know we're getting him, that's cool. I reckon yeah. he's it. Um, yeah, I reckon. Yeah. If we've he, talked about yeah. players that can impact straight away, yeah. then he is the type of player that can play round one next year and look the part, I think. Yeah, well, that's what Ryan Pillar just asked on live chat. Hi, Ryan. Yeah. Hi, everyone that's on live chat. Um, yeah, I think he is, uh, and also that ties into my theory about us drafting a bunch of midfieldy types in this one batch, is that in between them, in the first year, you might get a full season out of their combination, uh, because we shouldn't be expecting a guy like Pal Pepper. Like in theory, he could play a lot of the season, but we shouldn't expect it. He'll be playing a much more contested game than he's played, uh, and he'll be going through you know massive training regime, he would be quite likely to break down if we played him for an extensive amount of time, I feel, particularly yeah. playing the game he does. So he could play. Um, I wouldn't peg him down to play every game. I don't think he's... He's definitely not Ollie Wines. Um, so, no, yeah. I think he's more likely a 12 to 15 game type, um, but is yeah. most definitely... the like If he has a good preseason, he's definitely a chance to play round one next year and uh, not look out of place, I think. Um, Total Power asked a question on the forum regarding Power Pepper. Looks like another turnover merchant by foot. Can we afford to have another midfielder with a shit kick? Um, and I think, look, I th- he's obviously received a lot of negativity about his poor disposal, and I think it's incredibly overrated, to be honest. Like, 
he isn't as bad a kick as what everyone makes out. I think a lot no. of people saw his highlights package from last year's championships and sort of um, have maybe considered that as opposed to what he is now. I think he's improved his kicking out of sight this year. As you said at the start, he uh, he does miss targets, but not by much. And look, Patrick Dangerfield's the best player in the league, and he's a shocking kick more often than not. Like, he struggles to get yeah. the ball spinning the right way um, yeah. half the time. So you can still be a wonderful footballer and not be the best kick. Well, the other thing for me is it's a big difference between a guy like Pal Pepper who plays midfield to half forward and a guy that sort of drops back. Because if you're dropping back, the turnovers, they shouldn't be as... They shouldn't, first of all, turnovers in defence, they should not be as hard to avoid. And second of all, you should have more room for the opposition to be spread out. Whereas Ford, I mean, you're making something from nothing a lot of the time, and those are the ones that he does seem to screw up occasionally, which is fair enough, you know. Um, when you're making something out of nothing, you shouldn't be expected to be absolutely perfect. Yep. Uh, and this is why we're talking about him being pick 14 and not pick one, because if he could do that, he would be pick one. There is no doubt. Yeah. And again, I think he's similar to Bolton in the fact that I think he needs to calm down a little bit before he kicks. Mm. He, he seems mm. to kick at full pace, and that's when he sort of turns the ball over. Um, when he sort of settles down a little bit, he does hit targets, and you know he can hoof the ball sixty meters. So, yeah. Look, if we pick up Powpep, he's one of my absolute wants this draft. If we pick him up, I'll be absolutely stoked. And honestly, I mean, we're talking about his disposal, but if we get a guy like Pal Pepper, that lets a guy like Jared Pollock play outside. That lets a guy like Amon play more outside as opposed to sort of be a bit more contesty. A guy like Impey alongside Pal Pepper, I mean, bloody hell, that could be potentially devastating for opposition sides. Yeah. Um, so it, we don't need to fix necessarily the problem with the draft pick. We need to fix the problem with the list. And mm-hmm. this would enable us, if he's playing in the AFL side, then this enables us to move the rest of the list to better suited positions where their skills can be more useful. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, let's move on and talk about the next player, which is uh, Cameron Zerhar from uh, East Fremantle, who's 188 centimetre, 79 kilo, plays as a medium forward or outside midfielder, uh, plays a lot like Chris Mayne. Um, I reckon he's a lot like our own Dan Houston as well. You know, he's a hard-running forward, can play as that sort of quasi-third toll lead-up role, um, can pinch hit through the midfield, can also play pretty deep as well. Uh, did impress at Colts level this year, averaged uh, 16 touches and uh, almost a goal a game. Um, and as I said, can push up to a, to a wing um, and does like to run and carry with the ball in hand as well. For me, every t- look, Zerhai, he just screams Crows player to me. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, it's like... Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> it's like someone it's had found the Crowbot mould. They open it up and there was Cameron Zerha. Like he's he's yeah. he's a little bit above average in a lot of areas, which is exactly what they love. Um, I think he'll be a good solid contributor to a club, but if we don't draft him, I'd definitely he's a guy that I wouldn't have a second thought about us overlooking, yeah. um, unless we draft an absolute dud, of course. But you know, even then, that, that, there would be better players to say, oh, why don't we draft blah? Um, yeah, I think he's he, he's a utility in my view. Um, He's not. I don't think he's a genuine outside mid. I think he's okay at it, but that's why I'm saying he's a crow's wide. I think he could end up back and down. He could play in defence. Could play half forward, mm. back pocket. Um, <clears throat> I think those. Yeah. Look, I think Cam Zuha and Benjamin Davis um, from New South Wales are the two crowbots who I expect them to pick this year. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. Yep. But he's a decent little player, I reckon. Um, 
should be able to develop into an AFL player. Again, I, I don't think he's going to go early. I think it's going to be sort of mid to late draft, uh, anywhere from sort of 35 onwards, I think. So um, you know, he has plenty of talent, uses the ball well, uh, tackles hard. I like that about him. Um, really good right foot kick. Um, and does have a, a, a decent left foot kick as well. So he is dual-sided, which is nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's really a lot more to say. There's not a lot of excitement no. or contention about him at all. So let's move along. I wouldn't expect him to be in port sites, to be honest. No, no, I wouldn't either. Mm. Mm. Right. Let's move on and talk about Liam Baker from West Perth, mm-hmm. who is a 175 centimetre, 69 kilo inside-outside midfielder. He reminds me a hell of a lot of Josh Carr, I have to say. Um, short, stocky rover, really good endurance, um, really good ability to win the contested ball as well. Uh, again, he's that real sort of nuggety body shape, hits the pack hard with pace, uh, really good vision through traffic, which I think is important with uh, his size. Um, kicking is very, very sloppy and, uh, again, needs a bit of refinement, I think. For me, when everyone's saying at a port game, Ah, oh, you know, why isn't there anyone crumbing to Dixon? Liam Baker is the guy you want crumbing to Dixon. <laughs> um, because he's seen, and he actually, unlike a lot of the marking smalls that we have drafted in the past and seem to proliferate every year, he is legitimately a rover and, or a crumbing forward. Um, yep. And that's, you know, that's uncommon. It's actually really uncommon, it seems. He's the only one of the ones we've talked about so far that I would genuinely rate in that role. Yep. Um, so it could be that he's the sort of guy that we do look at again at that last pick. Um, if we think that's a weakness, I think it is. I would be okay with it. Um, but that would make a profile a little bit short again, but that's something mm. to be managed list management time rather than draft time, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah. This is I, staggering. I would be okay Another 175 centimeter. He's, because he's a junior coming forward. Porsche likes. This is, uh, yeah. hey, I do. I'm this glad I'm sitting down right now. I've got to say. Oh, come on, this is overrated. This is like how people think I don't like back flankers, but all of my favourite players have been back flankers. Yeah, true. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's one that uh, should go pretty late in the draft, I would think. Um, well, I think there's plenty of, uh, plenty of parts of Liam's game which should uh, interest quite a few clubs. And I think with a late pick, so like a fifth rounder or something like that, or a rookie yeah. pick, um, I think uh, a lot of clubs would be pretty happy to get him there, I would think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right, moving on to a few uh, mature age players now. And the first one is uh, Tyler Keitel from West Perth, who's a 194-centimetre, 92-kilo key defender. Plays a lot like Brian Lake. Um, he's a mature age guy who uh, was considered a highly um, potential draft pick, I think, two years ago um, as a key forward. Didn't get drafted, missed out. That was a bit of a shock. Um, and has gone back and has actually developed into a really handy key defender at, uh, at waffle level. Who picks up a crap load of the ball, I've got to say. He picks he's picked up over thirty disposals on a couple of occasions this year. Lots of high twenties as well. Um, you know, he's someone that can run off and create, uh, but has the size and the strength to also um, shut down uh, defenders as well. Have you seen much of Tyler and uh, and what do you think? No. I know nothing about him, unfortunately, Macca. I couldn't find video and I haven't seen much of him, so I yeah. can't really comment. Fair enough. Out of all the sort of like he's probably the best mature age key position player, I would think, in this year's draft. Doesn't mean he's going to get drafted. Maybe not. Um, I think he's if he's going to go anywhere, it's going to be as a rookie pick. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty much a ready-made key defender. 
I really like his ability to read the play. I think he's got a lot going for him. Um, but I'm just, it's, I don't know. There's still something I'm just not entirely sure about his game. But. Yeah. Look, I mean, being a good key defender at the lower level um, where it's getting lots of possessions, I mean, that's not necessarily a good thing. I think that can be observed just in our own team when key defenders are in the SNFL. Like, it's not the ones that get 20-something disposals, the ones you want to elevate, the ones that still lock down their player and do okay the other way. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean high disposal count. Um, So I don't necessarily see that as a great indicator um, because that probably says more than anything, third tall, uh, which Mm. puts him in a different category to genuine key defender in my view. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Let's have the size, 194. It's a decent height, 92 kilos. He's, he's pretty well Yeah, built. Yeah, but with that stat range, that sort of tells you what kind of role he's playing. Well, um, I think he's been mostly playing at full-back or centre-half-back. I don't think he's been playing as a third toll. Well, then he's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously. Like that's, that's what it's got to be. Like If you are playing genuine key defender, genuinely accountable for an opponent, and you're getting 30 possessions in a game like that, that's that's first round it's material, ridiculous. right? Yeah, so I, I don't I don't I don't agree. I think the stats say that that can't necessarily be the case. I think he probably has been playing a bit of third tour. Okay. Uh, Scott Kent Collins on the Spreaker chat has asked a question, um, a general mm. question for uh, about all draftees in reviewing. Do we expect too much of them? How much leniency should we give them? Uh, given that many are yet to mature or focus on football professionally. Yeah. Now this is an important um, thing that. Um, people watching the draft need to really be aware of, which is that the draft is not an ultimate list of player quality. Um, It's a list of player desirability. And one of the most desirable things is having traits that are ingrained in your game uh, and that transport well to the upper level and having the physical traits that support that as well. So that's going to make you a better valued player. There are things that is hard to work past. Um, So genuinely poor decision-making is one of the ones that can disqualify you and it probably won't get a lot better uh, and so drafters put a bit more weight on that. Um, I don't think anyone expects any of these players to be the, the complete package outside of maybe the top three. And even then, quite often, the top three might include a guy like a Nick Natanui, who is, well, even when he was drafted, he was still a lot of raw potential, but you could see what was there. Um, but when, you, when we're talking third-round players, like we're not talking about a single complete player among them. <laughs> yeah? Like, there's not one. Oh, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Or second, or even second round, realistically. Like Josh Rotham, I'm saying he might play 200 games, but he's got a bit of learning to do, um, yeah. for sure. Uh, well, every single player has their doubts. Even guys like McGrath and McCluggage, every single player, you mm-hmm. just don't know how they're going to transition to being a professional footballer, 24-7, AFL level, all that training, all that learning. Can they get their body right? You know, all that sort of stuff. There's so many you know, high first round you know, flops and, you know, players from rookie lists that become absolute superstars that you just don't, you, you can never be too sure. Um, so I don't think anybody's really the complete package. Um, how much leniency should we give them? A hell of a lot, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean... It, These it, are 17-year-old kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's not like the NFL. Um, I was thinking about the NFL a bit earlier in relation to future draft picks, but like the NFL, you have a draft pick, you expect that player to be ready, physically ready to play. They've played in a college team at a usually pretty high level um, for three or four years, uh, and then they come in the side and then they're expected to be performing pretty close to day one. We're doing that with 18-year-olds uh, in, a, in, a, in a game that is probably more complex in a lot of ways. Um, you know, NFL, you need to learn a lot of things. 
but once you learn them, then it's, yeah, you've got to get your timing right and all that stuff. But with AFL, I mean, you've got to be able to think on the field. That's a hugely different game. So I think absolutely we do. Uh, Ryan's just also asked a question. Um, do you think there is or could be a better system for draftees in the formative years pre-draft when looking at uh, the college system we seem well behind? Uh, look, I mean, there could be, but it would require the introduction of, say, a under-22s league or something like that, or under-21s league. Um, and which... upping the draft age by three or four years. Which... Well, to 21, exactly. That, that, that's the only way you can do it. <laughs> no, look, it's not going to happen for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, you're actually limiting the earning capacity of some of those younger players. You know, Ollie Wines, he would have still been on undrafted wage at state league level or equivalent of in the under-21 squad. Yeah. Um, I don't think there is a better system we can put in place. Uh, honestly, it's it's just tricky. You, and you can't put limitations on Ruckman saying you're not ready for another two years. Because if there's a club out there willing to draft them and pay to develop them, well, you've got to give them that precedence to do that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all right it's in really... America where you know you get drafted and you're suddenly a multi-millionaire straight off the bat. But yeah. um, you know, when you what are these kids going to do between the ages of 18 and 21? Like, How many kids would we lose to the system because they just can't be bothered anymore and they just find some other job to do or lose their passion for footy. Um, or get a job because they need one. You exactly know, that's, right. That's, exactly that's, right. That's the big one. Yeah. I mean, we talked about what last week about... Was it last week or the week before? Um, we were talking about a kid that was working full-time in his TAC Cup year uh, and then he's trying to train in the evenings and didn't get drafted that year. Um you know, that, that's absolutely a compromise you have to make. So I think we kind of have to accept that we're drafting 18-year-olds um, and just adjust, adjust the system around that. I think that lower than that, I think before draft, there is still stuff we can do. I think that it is time officially for the SANFL to have junior development stripped from them, um, particularly with academies coming in, uh, yeah, like local academies coming in, because already, you know, the reason why GWS has the concessions they have is because clubs recognise it's easier to keep players that are local. And SA is just producing fewer and fewer players, and more importantly, fewer and fewer players of really genuinely desirable player types, um, that it's becoming damaging to Port and the Crows, uh, unfairly so, because we're letting the SANFL do whatever the hell they want. So I, I think that would be the biggest improvement we could make, is getting that away from the current development system and putting it on the same standard as uh, the rest of the country, or yeah. at least the eastern states. That's a good point. I do agree with that. Uh, back, we've got two players left. Um, and the next one we know pretty well, and that's Mason Shaw from uh, mm. South Fremantle via Port Adelaide. Uh, 197 centimetre, 94 kilo key forward. Plays a lot like Mason Shaw, who was on Port Adelaide's list a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> spent, <laughs> spent three years at the club without playing a game. Uh, obviously suffered a lot of injuries. Went back to WA. He trimmed down, lost a couple of kilos, got himself fit, had his first uh, pre-season, you know, I think, in his career, um, and had a really, really good year playing in the Waffle. Like, he took 128 marks, kicked 51 goals, had, um, I think, uh, three bags of five, a few bags of four as well. Um, if a club is after a, a ready-made young key forward, he's probably the best one out there. Yeah, uh, I do kind of wonder if maybe that fifth pick that we got available is for him. Um, it's not wouldn't be too surprising, uh, and it would actually be, in my view, one of the better list management decisions we've made in pre in in recent years. You know, that shocks um, me. I did not. I expected you to be absolutely against it, to be honest. 
I'd be against it with the first four picks, but at that fifth one, absolutely. And the reason why is that a lot of the time, I mean, I'm, I'm very critical of us giving developing players or all players that just aren't going anywhere too much time on a list. Um, I think if we, you know, Mason Shaw's showing that it's not necessarily even the best thing for them, but also if we've delisted Mason Shaw and we can draft him back for a nothing picker, you know, two years later when he's proven himself at that lower level, which he was not doing before, that's ideal for us. Yeah, you know that that that's that's exactly what we're going to be doing, rather than pay for him to be another two years in the SANFL and then maybe he's okay. Mm. <laughs> you know the risk yeah. is on him. It's it's yeah. cynical, but it, I think it would be better. I mean, if that's what we've done, I'm that's a list management move I actually do approve of. Mm. Scott King Collins has asked on the Spreaker chat, "Would he come back here?" And uh, you have to say, uh-huh. "Well, if you want to crack at AFL, and if." I'm not sure if it's true, but if we're the only ones that might be looking at him, then you'd have to jump at it, surely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they, he left with any animosity. And there's look, there's something to be said for uh, the place that sacked you wanting to rehire you, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> there's got to be something in that that makes oh, me... Oh, look, yeah. there's yeah. There certainly a theme for much of the season. Oh, we should have kept Mason. Look how he's going in the waffle. So, yeah, he probably would have played a fair bit of footy this year with uh, Schultz out and Dixon injured and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, maybe. yeah I don't know. Well, I guess the question is, do you see actually legitimately see him being redrafted into the AFL system? Um, I Because he's got genuine key position height, because he's doing everything at state league level that you could expect him to do, um, I think yes. Um, you know, he's still only, what, what a hell is he, 21, 22? He'd be 22, um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he's still a very young for a key position forward. You'd get eight years out of him, theoretically, if he did work out. So the, he's still got that upside there, and he's come back and he's done it the hard way. So I, I would not have any real hesitation on that count. Yeah, I'd be keen. I think Frio would be keen. Uh, even West Coast would be keen, to be honest, because um, mm. looking at their forward stocks, they've obviously got two pretty decent uh, key forwards in uh, in Kennedy and Darling, but Kennedy's uh, going to be 30 this year. Uh, mm. And they'll, they'll certainly be looking for some younger key forwards as well. Um, yeah, look, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all, at all if he's uh, back in the AFL system next year. And if he is, then uh, good on him and, and good luck to him. Yep, totally agree. Uh, last player, and that's someone that I don't actually know a hell of a lot about, um, but I added him just because... Uh, Look, he's, he's going to get drafted. There's, there's no doubt he's going to get drafted. And that's uh, Liam Ryan from Subiaco, who's 184 centimetre, 76 kilo, uh, small forward. Um, plays a lot like Jeff Farmer. Um, it was his first year in the Waffle system this year, and he kicked 40 goals in 16 games uh, coming from the country. Um, he kicked. He had a really good sec, uh, second semi-final, kicked four goals, had a lot of the had a lot of the bowl. Got a massive leap. He's taken three or four absolute ripping hangers this year. Kicks goals from anywhere. Really quick off the mark. Uh, massive improve his endurance though. Um, have you seen much of Liam? No, only what's on draft machine. Um, yeah. I, from, from what I got from that, he is an extremely Port Adelaide forward. Um, <laughs> in, in that he's a smallish forward. He goes for the mark first. It seems like every time. He's got a good mark. He does. He's a good mark he for his good height. Mark. That's what, yeah. You'll hear that he's an excellent mark for his height, which is very true. Um, uh, yeah, he like I said five years ago, he's absolutely put Adelaide forward. Maybe he still is. Who knows? But we've yeah. got Monfries back. Um, I don't know. I could the thing see I like about him is that yeah. he's a, a genuine small forward who's not sub one eighty centimeter. Like one eighty four centimeter is a pretty decent size. He's a little bit taller than your average, you know, sort of Aboriginal small forward, which I think is good. 
Um, he's got great X Factor. There's a lot to like about him, I think. But for me, that puts him in that nowhere category. Like For me, I would rather draft, uh, like I said before, Liam Baker than Liam Ryan because Liam Baker... He, the way he plays, his his size is an advantage. Like, he is a genuine crummy. He has got that low ground-level play in him. Whereas a guy like Ryan, because he's a marking small, he's competing... You know, he's a marking... He is a marking small. I wouldn't um, call him a marking small. I, I totally would. He's a small uh, with and, a really good mark, but he's not your uh, your average Brett Ebert. Uh, well, I reckon we turn him into one. <laughs> Well, that's another question. That's a, that's a whole other story, isn't it? But, uh, which is quite possibly true as well. We, we very well might do that. But look, I think yeah, I uh, a lot of his goals this year did come from you know crumbing packs and doing all that sort of stuff. But he's taller than your average Jake Need as well. So I don't know. I There's a lot to like about him. Apparently at the draft combine in... Uh, sorry, the state combine in WA, we spoke to him more than any other club did, which... Um, well, yeah, he plays for Subiaco. He plays for Subiaco, and there's an article of Jared Schofield saying wonderful things about him. So that's probably why. Mm. Um, I don't know. Like, he, yeah, Brett Ebert, Daniel Motlop, you know, Che Cockatoo Collins. Yeah, <laughs> we might draft him. Absolutely, we might draft yeah, him. Like I, I said, he's he's the archetypal port, port power forward. Um, and you know, I think we just have to say, yeah, we probably will. It's just going to happen, right? <laughs> I think a, lo- a lot of clubs would be interested in Liam. I think um, maybe, obviously, you know, that small, really pacey he's, X factor. He's forward. good at it. Like people are going to draft him, hoping he's the next Eddie Betts. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, can he but do that? He the... Quite possibly. You never know. He might end up an absolute flop, given that he's only played one season of waffle footy, and that's it. Um, I don't know. I, again, he's someone that I'm finding really, really hard to, to uh, rate a draft range for just because I haven't seen a lot of him play. Mm. Um, and he could go anywhere from 30. He could go in the rookie draft. It's uh, it's a pretty wide range, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't think we'd pick him with one of our first four picks, for sure. Mm. I think there is a chance we might with 30 or 31. I don't think so. And if it happens, I'm going to blame you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's going to be a fun live draft uh, show, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah, look, uh, if he's there at 85, I wouldn't be against picking him. If he's there at 30 or 31, uh, I I think there's going to be players that are going to be more handy for us than picking another small forward with a second-round pick. Yeah, I mean, you say he's... Crumming, but he's not crumming. He's getting goals in general play, which is different. It's quite mm. different in my view. Um, and so that, that's why he's in that. I mean, Brad Ebert did that too. Cam Hitchcock did that. He got goals in general play. Yeah. People called it crumming, but it wasn't because he wasn't crumming. Mm. When he was near the contest, he was not all that great, but he had, he had a little space. He was fine. Uh, and I, I suspect Leon will probably be in a similar category. He has got the excellent mark, though. We do potentially need a replacement for Monfries, first of all, if he doesn't work out this year because he's only been doing personal training fitness and there's a huge step up. Um, I could, I need. could definitely, yeah, oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mean. So I could totally see us drafting him with that that later pick for sure, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Especially, uh, with the, yeah, yeah. Any Smokies? Nah, nah. I think we're already talking Smokies, aren't we? <laughs> no, possibly. Yeah, a little it's bit. A, it's a little yeah. shallow. It's a little shallow yeah. in the WA side. There was some good top end talent, but I mean, Liam Baker's a Smokie already, really. Yeah. 
Uh, Ryan has just asked the question, uh, you guys are doing a live draft cast? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, we will be doing a live draft cast on Friday night. How we're going to do it at the moment, we're not 100% sure, but it will be happening. And, uh, yep, you can certainly hear our thoughts uh, live as the players are picked. Yeah, what we'll probably do, in my, from, from what I can think of, is that uh, I think Mac might be a little bit late. We'll, we'll work that out. But anyway, when the Fox stuff goes live, we'll answer our own questions while they're babbling on. And then when the actual draft starts, we'll go straight to that. So you don't even, you don't even have to watch the pre-draft stuff if you don't want to, or you can just watch the video. It'll be all good. Yeah. Will you take, uh, Ryan's asked a second question, will you take live audio first round from AFL? And no, we would need a no. license. Yeah, no, definitely not. It'll just be going... It'll, it'll just be, it'll be saying, Yeah, absolutely saying, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we might have the TV really loud um, <laughs> to give that sort of impression that we're live at the event or something. We might do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's the only way that's going to work, I think. Yep, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've actually got three Smokies. I've got three Smokies Ooh, for this one. That many? Yeah. The first one is Jeremy Goddard, who's a 202-centimetre ruckman, who was uh, pretty okay. highly rated last year. Probably stagnated a bit this year. He's very much an old-school dinosaur, a bit Loby-like. Averaged uh, 36 hit-outs and around, and around uh, I think, 12 touches a game at Colts level this year. So he certainly wins a lot of the bowl in terms of uh, stoppages. Um but yeah, I think uh, in terms of his body and his AFL potential, he's probably up against it. But as a rookie pick, I think um, someone might be interested. The second one is a, is a young kid called Tarir Bayok. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. He, who is lightning quick. Mm. Very, very small. He's only 171 centimetres, I think. Um, and plays as that uh, sort of David Roden type through the midfield and uh, up forward. Very, very quick. Um I think someone might take a punt on him uh, late in the draft. And the third one is Bailey Banfield, who is uh, pretty similar oh, yeah, to yeah. Uh, Brody Romanski from Western Jets, who we spoke about last week, who's yep. a 188 centimetre midfielder, absolute bold magnet. I think he averaged somewhere around 25, 26 touches at Colts level, played um, at the championships as well, really big leap, pretty quick as well. Um, I think he'd be the perfect rookie pick for someone. Yeah, for me, Banfield, like just at a superficial level, I haven't really looked into his play specifically, but he just seemed, he did seem to do some okay things. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm not against I'm not against him. Um, I guess he'll go somewhere. Like there's a lot of players that we haven't talked about that will probably get drafted on a rookie list. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> that's just how it oh, is. For sure, like we've like we've detailed, I think a hundred players, and I think we've probably brought up another ten or twelve Smokies. Yeah. But how many players are going to get drafted? Across all drafts, you know, probably 180, so, isn't it? Something like yeah. that. So there's yeah. there's a lot of players that we haven't spoken about. Yep. Um, because we would be here forever if we got to everybody. And, and, and also a lot of those rookie guys. <laughs> there's not vision of everybody that you can actually see either. So Exactly, exactly. So unless someone wants to hire us um, so we can actually travel around and, and watch players, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd be okay uh, with that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be all right. Uh, but yeah, that is it. We are finished with our draft previews. Right. Crazy. Not bad. Mm. Not bad. I think we've we done, done well. Good. Oh, there was a question that was on the big footy thing about fantasy football. Like, oh, who would yeah. you pick? I as did, you... Uh, yeah, yeah. I did ask that. I did um, get that. That's right. Yep. Yeah, Shorten's yeah, yeah. Fest, so who the... asked uh, for fantasy mm. coaches among us, who would you recommend we look at from this draft for next year? 
Um, and I did, I did love this question. This was a really good question. Um, mm. And he gave us the criteria of um, able to rack up stats and, and pretty much play straight away and obviously has better value. So looking at guys sort of drafted from the second and th- second round onwards because they're a bit cheaper in fantasy footy. Um, so at this early stage, I would say in defense, I'd be looking at someone like Luke Ryan, Tom Williamson, um, Josh Rotham, Ryan Garthwaite. Mm. I think they're names to keep an eye on in preseason. Uh, midfield, you're looking at guys like Dylan Clark, Miles Paholke, Kobe Much, John T. Scharenberg. I think uh, those guys outside of the first round um, have a big chance to play straight away. And, Zach um, Fisher. Zach Fisher as well. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And forward, I would be looking at Liam Ryan, uh, Benjamin Davis, Cam Zerhar as players that uh, might be possible to play straight yeah, away. Yeah, Zerhar could. Yeah, Zerhar definitely would be a, a reasonable chance. Yeah. I think you covered pretty much anything I would have mentioned. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so at, at your rookie, at your sort of standard rookie price, fantasy um, price, I think they're the guys you need to probably keep an eye on. And of course, there's, yeah. there's some at the top end of, as well. I, I'd expect guys like Brody and McGrath, Ainsworth and Berry to be four players that um, have the capability to play a lot of footy in the first sort of seven or eight rounds and and make a bit of money there as well. Yeah, but for me, those guys, you don't. I would, wouldn't think you'd draft them until you saw that they're actually like in the preseason squads, for example. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and with all of those second guys, like that also depends on who drafts them. Um, if you're a defender in that category that Maka mentioned and you've been drafted by Hawthorne, then you might be waiting a while. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing to consider as well. But that's you you know what you're doing. You play fantasy sports. You know to look for that stuff. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> exactly right. And there's still a fair few players from last year who didn't really um, get much of a oh, chop. Yeah. So they'll be pretty good value as well this year. Someone like Mitch Hibbard I'll be looking at. Um, Harley Ballack as well. And our own um, Riley Bonner, I think. Yeah. Uh, given Bonner he only sure. played one game, I would hope he's still um, rookie price next year. Even though he did well, get a lot of it. But... Yeah, Riley Bonner, I mean, he has to be, like, if you're playing, you have to draft Riley Bonner because we've just delisted Stuart and O'Shea, who were the biggest barriers to him playing more games oh, this year. Exactly right. So he, he's absolute value. Um, you know, you're gonna, they're going to say, oh, Riley Bonner, but he's definitely the guy. I, I'd want to lock him in for 22 games next year. I'd be pretty, I reckon for he'd sure. go close, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I reckon that's not unreasonable. So he's someone that should make a good sort of 100, 150 grand and, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, all right. We will be back on Tuesday, and uh, Mission Pos- uh, Mission Possible will be joining us, um, and we'll be doing a bit of a phantom of the first round, and then discussing who's likely to be there with our second round picks as well, and who we should draft. Yay! Woo! It's gonna be fun. Yep. Until then, can the pit. Can the pots.